All right, so we have been talking about uh, being connected to the body of Christ, right? That analogy of a body um, with Christ as the head. And if we are connected to Christ as the head, Christ's body are people, other Christians, other churches being connected to the body of Christ. Uh, we can only survive and thrive as we're connected to the body of Christ. Yay, praise God it works. Okay. Um, we shared last time that it's not optional, right? Um, faith has fruit in community and relationship, not just growing in knowledge. Otherwise, this is how uh, Jesus railed against the Pharisees of just growing in knowledge, but yet not caring for your neighbor with the good Samaritan stories and things like that. Um, even in our uh, Asian sensibilities, sometimes we'll attend church, um, give a little bit, uh, participate in certain things, but not get too close to people, all right? So when everyone is connected together, it's important that everyone does its part, right? The hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. Or the foot can't say to the eye, I don't need you. Some are more prominent. In small churches, certainly you look up here in the front, these are the, these are the people that you see doing things, but it's important that we do things. But uh, being connected to the body as each person does its part, right, is... Uh, uh, someone once said, church is not a spectator sport, right? Everyone needs to participate. And that is the, a healthy body, a healthy organization. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Here is a, a, a passage that I shared last time, Matthew 25, that uh, participation in the body of Christ in relationship is not just uh, optional, it's eternal as well. It's not just for our own edification, but it's eternal. Where Jesus, at the end of time, the world is going to separate uh, people from, just like a shepherd separates goats and sheep, those goats that uh, Jesus says, then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? When did we see you thirsty and give you something to drink? And Jesus said, whenever you saw a stranger invited you in or, and gave me clothing, this is when uh, it, you did it to the least of these, okay? This is what Jesus was saying. And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you do to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it to me. So this is vitally important. In fact, eternal, this is how God is going to judge us, is how we treat one another. So this was the uh, main thrust of kind of the theme recently, is being connected to the body is essential, vital, and eternal. And so... This broad concept of being connected to, to the body, I want to bring it home to something very practical today, is the body of Christ is the community, the local church is the local body of believers. You know, we are connected to the universal church, right? Throughout time, in Europe, in Asia, we are part of the universal church, God's body. But God, somehow, you know, we are not 
omnipresent. <laughs> we can't be in all places and, and be everywhere at once. Um, someone shared uh, recently uh, that they are connecting with their family by FaceTime on the other side of the world, right? And the time zones are different. Uh, their 12 o'clock is our midnight, but we, can, we can't be there uh, physically in body. So that's why it's important, and it's an argument for the local church, for a local church body, you know, uh, versus just staying at home and watching, I don't know, Chuck Swindoll on TV or John MacArthur on TV. It's a case, an argument for being connected to one another. And I believe it's not only membership in the local church. I saw pictures in the, in the foyer of at least one of you being baptized, uh, which is a symbol of your membership in God's universal family, right? Um, when people join a local church, this is, uh, some churches have a formal process where you go through membership class and you become a member. But I believe to really know, to know and become known in committed relationships, you need to join a smaller group of people. And so um, I have been inviting you all to small group after church, and some of you have been taking advantage of that. Uh, and uh, this is what I would encourage you to do. Actually, we're going to, because it's so hot, we're going to change that to 10 o'clock. So we're, we, some of us met to get this morning at 10 o'clock when it's a little cooler. And then after church, we have more of our day after church. So 10 o'clock, we'll meet together. And uh, we had an idea and discussion. Some, of, some in this church physically can't be part of this body anymore, right? And we had wonderful testimony of some uh, visiting some of your, hate to call them shut-ins, but you know what I mean, um, a great testimony of reaching out and be, being the body for those people. Um, we had a, a, an idea of maybe taking our small group to, <laughs> to the home of uh, uh, one or two people that can't be with us. So maybe to be present with them in body is another idea. But being part of a small group is so important. And committing, today's title is Submit and Commit. Um, is the hard thing about a small group or a church body is that it's, let me back up a little bit. Chuck, Chuck Swindoll said, the greatest thing about working with people is people. The greatest thing about working with people is people. And the worst thing about working with people This is the people. <laughs> that's right. So that's kind of a preface to all this encouragement I'm telling you to get involved with one another. Be vulnerable with one another. The greatest blessing is being with one another. And sometimes the greatest frustrations is <laughs> spending time with each other as well. So I believe a safe community can be built um, 
relatively easily by adding a little bit of structure to it. Joining a group of believers that's safe and confidential, where they guard confidentiality, and basically they don't interrupt each other. So the groups that I uh, uh, administrate and teach, in fact, this is going to be a small group teaching <laughs> message today. Um, I encourage all of you to not just participate, but as you join uh, groups, as you ask others to become prayer partners with you, um, as you meet in twos and threes and fours and fives, when you become the leader of that group or facilitator of that group, that's all you really need to do is to uh, lay down some guidelines for the group. One is maintaining confidentiality. Encouraging or telling people to be part of this group, whatever shared in this group stays in the group, meaning we don't, at the bad, at the negative uh, sounding end of it, we don't gossip from what we hear in the group. And the more maybe positive way of saying it, we don't uh, repeat it and put it on the prayer chain where it just goes on and on to other people. So it's always good when you. Uh, share with someone, even one-on-one, -on -one, um, which is probably the most common thing we do, we talk on the phone, we check in with people, is to ask the person, um, is, this, is this what you're sharing with me? Is it confidential or, uh, or not? And sometimes they'll say, uh, no, it's not confidential. You know, I've been sharing this with other people. But sometimes they say, they'll say it is confidential. And that's when you really build trust with the other person. Um, as a minister, when I'm talking to, the, to people, I will often say, as people start sharing, especially when it's something sensitive, I'll often say, oh, just by the way, I just want to let you know, whatever you share with me, I'm not going to repeat to anybody else. And I often get a kind of sigh of relief uh, to people that they kind of know, oh, okay, I know that this is a safe maybe forum or environment to share or share something deeper. So that can be easily repeated in a small group. Um, this uh, metaphor in Ephesians 4 talks about uh, being... Um, each part, each one doing its part. Um, this is, the small group is a great analogy of the church, where everyone does a little bit, very much like a harmony, very much like uh, music, very much like a, a potluck, very much like a table service at a restaurant, everyone doing its part, and it's a beautiful thing. Let's read this together, Ephesians 4, 11. So Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. For what? What's the reason? What's the purpose? To equip his people for works of service. So that the body, the body of Christ, which is believers, may be built up 
until we reach that unity in faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then he goes on to say, instead, in 15, speaking the truth in love, we will grow and become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him the whole body, joined together, held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each one does its work. There it is, right there. So, in a small group, like I said, I believe uh, the church, the church body, believers, can be organized, uh, organized, uh, broken down, understood in a small group. And in a small group, there's basically three or four roles. One is a facilitator. Two is a co-facilitator. Three is a host, and four are the members that come together, all right? So as you participate in small groups, you kind of think, well, which, which role am I there? Um, each role is very important for a group to happen. You know, if you're not the leader, sometimes people think, oh, it's optional if I don't go uh, to small group. You know, I don't really have a specific role or responsibility. I'm not bringing food. I'm not the leader or teacher. And so it's easy to be optional. So the members of the group are very important. Just attending. I have found in my experience, most people will join groups when basically they're in need. <laughs> it's almost like uh, the person who gets... Uh, lost on a raft from shore. You know, they're praying to God. God, if you save me, I'll dedicate my whole life to you and give all my money to you if you just save me. Right? And then, you know, a wave pushes them a little bit closer to shore, a little bit closer to shore. And then they go, God, if I could just get to the reef, to that island, God, I'll, I'll give you half of what I have, Right? And as they get a little closer and closer to shore, God, if I could just get to the beach, I'll, I'll promise I'll start attending church. <laughs> right? The requests start getting a little smaller and smaller. And I find it the same way. People's need for God, people's participation in small groups, people come when people are in crisis. Is typically what happens. People will come when people are in crises. Um, a divorce, a loss, grief, right? Some parenting issue. Uh, people will come and join a small group and participate in that when they're in crises. But as soon as that crisis is over, <laughs> right? people don't feel like they have to invest that much or I don't have the need of this support anymore. But uh, it's so important to, if you're not in crisis, is to be there and to be a listening ear for the other person. It's so important to listen and hear and validate another person's uh, story or crisis that they're going through. So I started with members. It's important that 
when one part of the body is hurting or struggling, we all struggle. That's why we show up. That's why we show up to small group. When one, one hurts, we all hurt. But then when the other rejoices, we all rejoices. I like the phrase when uh, we share our uh, joys to multiply them and we share our struggles to lighten the burden. And it's really true. So what we do in small group, those of you that uh, haven't been participating yet, um, I have uh, basically two or three rounds of sharing. We just kind of go around the room, number one, to check in with each other. Whatever's top of your mind, okay? Maybe it's you almost got an accident on the way here. Maybe it's, uh, I don't know, your fence blew down. I mean, those are typical things that we've shared. Something that you're just uh, bursting, wanting to tell your friends uh, what's, what's uh, at the top of your mind. So that's r round one of sharing that we typically do. The second round of sharing is uh, anything that God's been teaching you throughout the week. So uh, often people will come to small groups and they'll often ask, well, what are we going to do in this group? <laughs> I've gotten that question. Are we going to study something? Are we going, what are we going to do? What's, what's the purpose of the group? Is it a Bible study? All right. And if you know me by now, um, I'm a huge advocate of not discipling and building up people to become Pharisees, okay? Just filled with more knowledge without practical action for one another. So the second round of sharing is, you know, I kind of leave it open, you know, um, you know, people learn in different ways, right? Uh, I learn by watching sermons on videos a lot. I learn by the audio program of my Bible uh, uh, talking to me. Um, and people, uh, uh, you know, God, God is teaching you things in different ways. Through a crisis, through a hard time, through a struggle, through a trial. That's how God is teaching you. Sometimes it's through you know, diligent study that you've been doing. Sometimes it's through, uh, um, like I said, reading a book. People le learn in different ways. Sometimes it's through a worship song. And so the second round of sharing that we do is to ask each other to share what God has been teaching them um, throughout the week, throughout this season, or a particular book that you're uh, reading. Like Gary mentioned, it's so hot, it's so difficult to do anything, right? You get up it's at, at maybe 6 o'clock, you work outside till 9.30, and it's already too hot, <laughs> right? By 10 o'clock, it's scorching. Um, maybe you're going through a book, reading a book right now. And then our third round of sharing um, I usually leave it open to people can share anything they want to. And before that round of sharing, I let people know this is the time that, number one, uh, we need to make sure that we keep everything confidential in the group um, at this round of sharing. And secondly, that we don't interrupt. Now, over a lifetime of being a Christian since I was in junior high school, and many of you as well, I think these two things, I hope that you remember these things is to encourage confidentiality 
You build trust between people. And then two, if you're in a group setting, if you're the facilitator, make sure people do not interrupt. Because, as you know, interrupting happens all the time. <laughs> uh, if you think uh, in past experiences, interrupting happens all the time. And when we, people interrupt, they're often, you know, asking questions for their, I don't know, trying to understand what some, someone is sharing or going through. They're ready to comment or give some type of value judgment on what they've heard, right? Good, positive, or negative. Or they start debating or challenging what was said, right? Especially if it's a thought or opinion, you know, like whatever, politics, religion, um, could be anything. When people share a thought or opinion, it's so invalidating to have uh, your thought and feeling debated uh, in a group setting. And it just gives me, uh, uh, it's very cringy, so to speak, <laughs> right? You see the invalidation happening right before your eyes. So if you're the facilitator or co-facilitator, um, I'm considering you all co-facilitators right now, all right? You're, you're uh, uh, facilitators in training, all right? Uh, whether you're uh, part of this church, you know, for one, two, five more years, whether I'm your interim pastor for two, five, ten more months, I hope you take this with you, is that if you enforce these two guidelines, this little bit of structure, it'll be, you'll, you'll be creating a wonderful setting for people to grow closer together, to know and be known. And you'll ramp up that sense of intimacy really, really fast by um, ensuring confidentiality and requiring uh, people not to interrupt each other. All right? So in wrapping that, this up, Whatever this season is for, I encourage small groups to kick off for like a season, like the spring, fall, or summer. Spring, fall, or summer. That way, like I said, the best thing about working with people is people, and the worst thing is people. Sometimes you get into a lousy, that's not a lousy small group. What do they call them? Uh, there's always an EGR. There's always an EGR in a small group which stands for extra grace required. <laughs> There's always one person that requires extra grace that's part of the group. Basically, they're an immature person uh, when it comes down to it, right? Um, either it's all about them, they talk too much, they can't stop talking, they always interrupt. <laughs> uh, there's always a person that there's an EGR in the group. But that's how we grow as iron sharpens iron, right? So it's nice to have a small group just for a season, right? <laughs> You're together for three or four months, and then, okay, <laughs> we end that group, and then we'll start up again uh, in a little bit. When I was at First Baptist Church of Elk Grove, um, after some staff moved on and, uh, and whatnot, 
I was in charge of support groups, but they thought, okay, you're in charge of support groups. Why don't you be in charge of all the small groups then? <laughs> so at one time, I was in charge of uh, all their small groups, and we would get weekly reports from, I don't know, attendance and, and whatnot. But uh, we would also be as a support person for the small group leaders. And one small group leader came to us, and uh, wow, this couple brought, talk about EGR, needing lots of grace. Um, you know, I don't think I'm breaking confidence at, you know, 20, 20 years later. <laughs> I know you don't know who they are, but uh, this, this, this couple, they were traveling in Mexico or Salvador or something like that, some, some country, and they got detained there, and the, the wife got detained, and uh, uh, the husband was laying this huge burden on the small group of, you know, uh, how to rescue her, his wife, and, and whatnot, and, you know, you know we're, not a, we're not an embassy, right? <laughs> you know, the church isn't an embassy, American embassy, and so there was this huge crisis that was happening in that family. And then uh, things happened later where we found out, I think she finally uh, got back to the States and whatnot. But um, we found out that he was kind of super paranoid as well. And some people carry firearms with them in America. Some people have that, whatever it's called, uh, concealed carrying license. And it was discovered that He's a concealed license, a firearm carrier, and he brings his firearm to small group every week. And that was making people nervous. Um, plus all the drama that he was sharing as well. Now that might be just a neutral thing, but because he was sharing his paranoia and other things like that, uh, rather than one of us staff confronting this member with whatever issues, we just decided to end the group. End the group. <laughs> it's, it's, it's season had just, oh, we're not meeting together anymore. <laughs> right? Rather than kicking this person out, so to speak, or confronting, I don't know, not following the rules or whatever, it's making people uncomfortable, blah, 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 blah. We're just not meeting anymore, that particular group, <laughs> okay? Let's just uh, end this group right now and we'll, I don't know, coalesce somewhere else down the, the road. That was one way of dealing with that issue. But uh, that's one way of dealing with it, with it and maybe a mindset as well. Maybe the fear of getting into something long-term with people. Um, everyone's been in a group or in relationship with someone that's an EGR, right? Extra grace required. So we are there for each other. We are there to be iron as sharpens iron. So I'm going to close with these two things. Is I've shared this before, is the word to listen. When you are just a member, not just a member, but giving the gift of validation and listening. Here's a Chinese character for the word to listen. 
It involves your heart down there at the bottom. It involves your eyes, your ears, singular focus. Over there in the other corner is the character for king. So this respect for someone that you're listening to you to. It's a wonderful illustration of the ability to listen well. Um, you have to dial down the, the urge to interrupt <laughs> and ramp up the listening skills. And sometimes reflecting back, some people call it active listening. Some people call it paraphrasing. You've heard that before, right? Um, and it's, uh, some of the paraphrasing exercises sound kind of dumb because it feels like you're just parroting, you know, what the person said. And, uh, uh, but he expands on that a little bit more because sometimes we get it wrong, Right? What, what the person is saying, we, we're hearing things. We're hearing the important things that we think are important, but sometimes we get it wrong. So sometimes it's good to say, you know, are you, you know, did you say, is this, is this what you're saying? Someone asked in small group not too long ago, is it okay if I ask a question to the person? Well, it kind of depends. If you're asking a question for, to listen better, to clarify, that's a, that's a great question. You're showing the person that you're engaged, that you're actively listening, you're really listening, and you want to understand is basically what you're asking a question for. But if it's simply asking questions to fulfill your own sense of curiosity, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, we, I, I catch myself doing that all the time. I was going to say I see that all the time in small group, but I catch myself doing that as well. And I have to clarify for myself why I'm asking the question. You know, am I, ask, I have to ask myself, am I asking for me <laughs> or am I asking to hear better? I gave that other illustration as well. Uh, now that I'm a grandfather, um, I re- have images of uh, Joanne's parents and my parents, you know, uh, babysitting the kids, picking them up from school. And uh, uh, Joanne's dad, Oscar, was an was a elementary school principal as well. And he sh- modeled this so fabulously when he talked to Eric and Kimmy when they were little, when Eric would, you know, just jabber jaws of what happened in his day. Or maybe it's just he came in from outside and Grandpa would bend down, right? Come down to his level and, and, uh, and ask him, you know, what's going on? And Eric would say something about, you know, rain and seeing a butterfly, you know, falling down, skinning his knee. And what would Grandpa do, right? He would, he would uh, parrot back, oh, this happened, that happened. And reflecting back the emotion as well, wow, you seem really excited about, you know, the butterfly. Or it looked like that really hurt when you skin your knee. And he would reflect that beautifully. So um, I'll, next week, possibly, uh, he goes over four points. That's just the first one, is reflecting back, or it's called active listening, showing the person that you're listening, uh, taking their content, making sure you're getting the contact. In counseling, sometimes we call it summarizing, right? Summarizing, where you don't have to feel so silly by parroting <laughs> back. You don't want the reaction. Yeah, yeah, that's what I said. You know, you're just parroting back what I said. 
uh, I could see my brothers uh, uh, getting irritated at that. <laughs> when I reflect back to them, they're like, yeah, that's what I said. But if you summarize, summarize, that's helpful. It shows the person you're listening. So closing, this whole idea of being part of the body of Christ is like a dinner service when things work wonderfully, when you go to dinner. It's like music, like a three-part harmony, right? But, uh, as we participate in the family of God, not just in a broader sense, we join in with each other in true community to know and be known in confidence, taking down our masks in one small group at a time. So let's close in prayer. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this local body of believers. We pray that we can create an environment, God, where you reign here, that the health of your body, as each one does its part to share and care for one another, to know and be known, that we would offer up food, water, that lasts where people will thirst no more, God, as uh, people come and share uh, with one another here at this local body. So thank you for this time. God, all God's people said, amen.